In this week's episode, there are so many amazing books. Seriously, brace your wallet, my friends. This week is a gold mine. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. Holy shnikes. It's we have true. a lot to talk about today. Oh, my gosh. This it's... is an incredible week for books. It's there are some totally tubular things coming out. <laughs> That's one way to say it. <laughs> and we are hype AF. It's true. There is much hype. Very hype. Much wow. AF, of course, standing for absolutely fresh. I believe. I don't know. Uh we'll go with that i believe that's what the kids say that's how we these days that's how we keep our clean rating uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> now we don't have to have like an are you 18 <laughs> uh first up we have a book called quests aside uh this is from vault comics uh this was written by brian schreimer with art by elena gogu uh on the surface this seems like your typical start to a D&D inspired fantasy book wherein it takes place in a tavern. However, what we're met with is more of an honestly office style narrative that focuses on the employees of said tavern more than the adventurers kind of passing in and out. We see glimpses of your typical like I need strong men to help with the goblins and people going off on adventures. But all of our narrative takes place within the walls of the tavern, within the employees and their intersectionality and their like personal interactions and things like that. Uh, T, thoughts? It's like waiting in D&D times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so fun and cute and clever. And I, I immediately care about all of the characters. <clears throat> exactly. And that's it. I absolutely went into this book expecting to be like meh and that's mainly because i like there's so many D, D themed things coming out and i feel like they all kind of hit the same note yeah you know we had rat queens happen and rat queens has like tons of inspiration from D, D and lots of other fantasy sources but really like strongly influenced but the idea of like a chaotic murder hobo type party mm -hmm. in like a D&D &D setting. It's a group of people that get assigned quests and they go out and do it. And it was this really beautiful but almost flash in a pan kind of thing. Because we've had a lot of other people, a lot of other writers, D&D, &D, Pathfinder, things like that obviously are an extreme source of inspiration. Obviously. So writers who are fans of that are going to want to be like, what if I told a story that was just like the games I played? And they're always just kind of fine. Like they're always yeah. very trope heavy and they're always very like, like some are better than others, but for the most part, they've always just kind of fallen flat for me. Like yeah. I've, I've never been huge on a lot of the D and D inspired content that's come out. And there's a lot of it. There's a lot mainly just because not, and I'm not necessarily talking about the actual like D and D comics. I haven't touched those to be perfectly honest, like the critical role stuff and whatnot, but the things that are inspired by, like, tabletop fantasy RPGs just always really, like, kind of hit the same notes over and over and over again for me. Yeah. So that's what was really impressive about this one and what excites me about it is, like, I went into it and in the first few pages I'm like, yep, okay, yep, these notes again. Oh, intrepid young adventurers. Oh, we're 
kind of meta and like talking about the nature of picking up quests and whatnot. Yay. <laughs> and then it just developed into this. Like I said, if like waiting is a good, uh, good kind of analogy to make with this, like a good kind of connection to make. I like The Office, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's very sitcom It's very sitcom It's like what you would expect from a sitcom like Scrubs or The Office or Parks and Rec, something yeah. like that, where it's like people just working, but funny stuff is happening, and they're interacting with each other. And the and characters themselves are weird. Yeah, and, you know, the people who work at this tavern all fall into certain kind of classes for like a D adventuring party it almost makes me want to run a game like this where yeah. like my party is just employees at a tavern and that's it yeah they're just at this tavern uh in fact i might do that <laughs> yay i'm gonna play in there um <laughs> i don't know it was just really cool like one of them is very clearly a cleric but we don't weigh that character down with a bunch of jokes about clerics and no. jokes about the nature of people who play clerics and meta humor about being a healer it's just like at one point we see someone do some magic and it goes wrong and then we see her like healing them and that's it that's it that's all it is you know there's an undead character and it's not like weighed down on like jokes about undead characters or jokes about characters with heavy backstories there's a character that very clearly has a very heavy backstory yeah and it's not weighed down on like a meta joke about and that's my thing i guess is like so many of the D content like D inspired content tabletop inspired content that we get seems to just be a vehicle by which the writer can meme about tabletop playing right. and like haha this is a power gamer lol and like it's less about building characters in these books typically and more <clears throat> about building placeholders for the reader and the author to go like haha didn't this happen in your campaign when you played it happened to me in my campaign yeah, when exactly. i played and yeah, now yeah. this one is different because it actually develops characters that are independent and their own unique concept they're not just like examples of stories yeah, that you've it's, heard. It's truly inspired by not being used as a means, like a vehicle for making a commentary on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing is I feel like a lot of these are like, I'm gonna make a commentary about these different classes. Mm-hmm. And or I'm gonna, you know, everyone knows the common jokes around these different classes. I'm just gonna lay into those so right. that everyone gets it. And it's like it's fine. Like I enjoy that because I'm I also I'm on the tabletop reddits, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I get it, but it's not, it's never really hit for me. Yeah. I love rat queens. And so I've been looking for something like that for a while. And while this doesn't necessarily have the edge that rat queens does, it gives us a really interesting story with like a really compelling main central character that has a lot of secrets there. We get little tidbits of backstory as well as little tidbits of, you know, what the nature of the relationships between the different employees at the bar is. Yeah. And then we just get fun background content, like an orc stand-up comedian who's terrible. <laughs> and, like, a battle between two bards and stuff like that. Like, just yeah. fun little vignettes mixed in there. And that's what made it feel like Parks and Rec or The Office or something like that. Right. Is because it's, like, while there's this main kind of central story happening, 
all the other characters are kind of having their own little short stories. Yeah. You know, this person likes this person and he's nervous about it. And like the bard starts having a duel, like the bard sitting outside who doesn't do anything except kind of act as like a billboard for this tavern is sitting outside having a duel with the king's bard who has like a triple necked loot. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like just stuff like that. None of it is pertinent to the ongoing story and they all kind of resolve to some extent. But it's just like fun little vignettes, fun yeah. little sitcom-y vignettes yeah. that happen throughout the book. It's cool. It's a really fun book. It's a very clever idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited for this one. This one's going to be fun. Going right on the file. <laughs> Next up, coming out of Image, uh, we have a book called Metal Society, number one. This was written by Zach Kaplan with art by Guilherme Balbi. Sorry if I messed up your name. Uh, This one is a futuristic tale that takes place on an earth that had long since been abandoned by humans or possibly humans had destroyed themselves. We know that humans haven't lived on this world, but for like a short amount of time, three generations worth of humans, uh, namely because the humans have returned because they've been cloned and genetically created by the robots to be workers. They work in manufacturing, construction, trash they do all the jobs that robots don't want to do similar to what we do with robots (laughs) hooray uh this book opens with a uh big pomp and circumstance of a big fight the first fight between like a, a prize fight like a boxing wrestling match uh first fight between uh a human fighter and a robot fighter it's like the best human fighter and the best robot fighter are going up head to head uh, and we find out details about both the robot and the human. Uh, and then it dips into backstory about the human fighter and where she comes from, what she's about. Uh, and we learn more about the world through that little snippet. And then it goes, snaps back to the beginning of the fight. And presumably in the next issue, we're going to learn about uh, the robot fighter. What do you think? I thought this one was really cool. It took an interesting twist. From the usual robot versus humanity perspective in that it's so much further into the future that Mm -hmm. it's a scenario we don't normally see. Um, In this instance, rather than robots are uprising because humans can't take care of their planet, that already happened. That's Mm -hmm. already done. Mm -hmm. What happened now is that the robots, having been built by man in the very beginning somehow inherited our hubris and then decided to make humans because they could. And mm-hmm. it was a vanity project. And so now the whole thing is going to go back into a circle of uh, mistreatment of each other because that's how this always seems to work. But yep. it's playing out in the reverse. And I think that's super cool. I think that's such a clever, creative way to go about a very tried and true, very... Uh, well-known scenario of like humans versus AI, very Terminator-esque scenario, but flip it on its head. Yeah. It's interesting to see the robot revolution, but it's the humans that are revolutioning, you know? There's a book that uh, was coming out of AWA that I read that was called Not All Robots, Not All Humans. Was it Not All Humans or was it Not All Robots? Not All Robots, I believe. Um, But it was about, you know, kind of similar themes it was effectively robots humans created robots to basically take over every single aspect of their lives so humans didn't work anymore 
every human family had like a house robot that would take care of them and go off and do their office job and make money for them and provide for them. And humans just sat at home doing nothing. However, it was very tongue in cheek mm-hmm. and very like silly. Uh, <clears throat> so it presented like some really interesting themes, but then was kind of like silly about it. Right. And this seems like it's going to approach those same sorts of themes, mainly themes like you said of hubris and the nature of like society evolving and the nature of like pushing off all your dirty work onto other people and you know the nature of disenfranchised groups wanting more uh but it's going to take more of a serious approach to it and it's just a fun concept it's a really unique world built with familiar it's like somebody took the lego set that we're all familiar with and we're like but what if we turned it into this and it's like the same pieces and we recognize all the same pieces but it's like a slightly different castle yeah you know uh it's cool i like this one i think it's it's got a lot that it can say Throughout its duration. It's you know? a very creative build. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Next up, we have another one coming out of Image. Uh, this is Twig, number one. It's written by Scotty Young uh, with art by Kyle Strom. Excuse me while I drink into the microphone. Um, <laughs> if you've never read a Scotty Young book, uh, recently Scotty Young has done uh, Middle West. He's done, obviously, I Hate Fairyland. I did a book called The Me You Know The Me You Love in the Dark. Uh Scotty Young, obviously a lot of people know him for his baby covers and his various marble variants that he does. He's got a very cartoony art style, very tongue in cheek, very funny, uh, very Calvin and Hobbes esque feeling and vibes. Um as a writer, he creates these very imaginative very stylized and very unique worlds and he matches with artists that do an incredible job of getting those things across middle west was i actually just recently finally finished off middle west and the last issue just had me in tears just (laughs) bawling my eyes out uh he it's he does really incredible stuff twig promises to be another very stylized very fun very emotive uh and just intriguing piece we see the titular character Twig, as he takes on his first job or his first day of a new job, uh, wherein he is effectively a quester. He's an adventurer for hire. He goes out and he helps people with things and he does things for the community at large. Uh, he sets out on his first quest. It's a little bit late, uh, is accompanied by his weird, like, light up giraffe slug friend uh and he goes off and we find out as the story progresses that he never necessarily wanted this job but he's actually taken it because it was the job of his father who has passed uh and the responsibility was kind of thrust upon him he goes down the normal passage of how these quests are supposed to go and is met with a weird twist that promises to shake up the nature of his duties uh, possibly for good. T, thoughts? One of the things that I think is so important about this book is that similar to Canto, it is family-friendly, it is approachable from a younger audience, it is cute, it is clever, it is interesting, and it's good for all audience. Like, so rarely nowadays do I find and stumble upon a comic that's literally like, hey, <clears throat> you're an adult, you'll probably want to read this, but also... 
your little young nephew would also want to read this. Yeah. And you'd want to read it together. And you'd both get something out of it. And you'd both probably get different things out of it. Yeah. Like, you mentioned that he's pursuing this job not because he necessarily wanted to, but because, you know, his father passed and it became his responsibility. A kid would be like, oh, yeah, now he's got to go on adventures. Whereas an adult, you go, yeah, maybe he's not yeah. doing what he wanted to do. <laughs> Am I doing what I want to do? Bro, <laughs> bro mood. Right? Yeah. So I, I just think that's cool that <clears throat> Scotty Young is so capable of creating, you know, this this thick kind of narrative that allows people to take lots of different things from it. And it's open to everybody. Mm-hmm. There's no, this is E rated for everyone. You know what I mean? And I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's, you hit it on the head. It's, it's evocative and stylized enough to be interesting to a more mature reader while being bright, colorful, fun, cute characters. Like the characters feel very like Rayman. Yeah. You know, they all have like big weird teeth and stuff. And yeah. Kyle Strom's art is just gorgeous. Like it's so beautifully cartoony and bright and vibrant. And like he puts so much depth and emotion into these sequences of just Twig walking effectively. Yeah. You know, Twig wanted to be a chef. So he's got this emotional connection to food, which is something that a lot of people can connect with. And I don't know. It's just I love this character. I love the story. Like this is, like this is a character for the ages, and it should be. It should be a character that is shared with people because he's just a lovable little character. I I know I mentioned it, but I definitely feel like this one's going to trigger in us the same types of responses we had with Kanto. Oh, exactly, hundred percent. Yeah, and that one is very special. And it's just it's a very simple premise. It's just a it's a boy out on a quest. Yep. You know what I mean? He has things to prove to people and reasons to do it. And he's just out on a quest. Yep. It's an easy quest. Take this stone to here. And things change and get darker, potentially. Complicated. Complicated. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, this is... If you have youngsters in your life, this is a great book to share with them. You know what I mean? If you're trying to get a young reader into comics, this would be a good way to do it. Yeah, this is a good choice. Uh, it's, It's cool. It's a fun book. I'm very excited about the next one. And there's issue. poop jokes, which is fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> All right, moving on. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about today. We got two left. The next one is Star Word. Uh, this is from Heavy Metal. The Heavy Metal Presents line that they do. Uh, this was written by Steve Orlando with art by Ivan Chavrin. Uh, this book opens with the seven daughters of Atlas fighting the forces of chaos. In space. It's wild. It's like a Sailor Moon meets uh, something else in space (laughs) with pointy armor. Uh, It then flashes to just a young woman, 19-year-old woman on her birthday. She's turning 20 that day, uh, living her summer home from college life. You know, she has parents that seem to be kind of absent. They leave her a note with a gift. And she goes off to her job as a lifeguard at the local pool, sitting out in the heat, and just living her life. When all of a sudden, a voice from inside her rings. It is her voice, and it is awakening her! Uh, And she is in her, like, magical armor, and she's finding out all this stuff. 
about these seven sisters that are also awakening, it seems. Uh, and she finds out more about the nature of the world and this idea of chaos and what her purpose is in the grander scheme of protecting the universe. T, thoughts? So this is so evocative to me of the movies from the 80s where a young adult is now the chosen one. Mm -hmm. You think of like... Like Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter. Yeah, yeah. Back to the Future. Like, you yeah. have to make the difference. You are the one that's important. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Exactly. It's these, like, 1980s kind of kitschy, kind of over-the-top movies that elevate one very normal young adult mm -hmm. just trying to figure out their way in the world, and suddenly they are gifted the power to take the, the that makes the change and saves the world or saves their family or saves whatever. I love that. Because at the same time, it's also very modern and feels yep. very relevant <clears throat> and has problems that are very current. I mean, she's rolling around like smoking on a vape. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool to see the like the matrix between like a very nostalgic feeling formula. Yeah. But a very like current character premise. Yeah. And I love that. I really appreciate the combination of Greek mythology and space. Yeah. Like it's not something that hasn't been done before, but like, I like it. I like that. It's like Atlas and the daughters of Atlas and chaos and, you know, but yeah. it's all wrapped up in, like, constellations and space and Greek mythology and stuff. And it makes for a fun kind of awakening moment for her because we see her engaging with Greek mythology stuff, you know. Yeah. In the book, just in her normal life. Yeah. And so when she's, like, her inner voice is like, you awaken daughter of Atlas. She's like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, Sick, all right. I'm going on a quest. She has like a little bit of like a <laughs> yeah. She has like a little bit of a like oh my god, what is happening kind of moment. But then she eventually is like, dude, I I I've been reading mythology since I was a kid. I'm I'm good with this. It's perfect because it's very much as if like not to be whatever, but I think there's a whole generation of us that even as adults, even as a thirty something, if an owl popped in my window with a letter to Hogwarts, I'd be like, hell yeah, they finally found me. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do this. Like, the, that's a very common feeling yeah. for those of us who grew up with fantasy. Like, oh yeah, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> well, and it's it's fun to have like a non like I feel like a lot of times in comics, it happens. I think more often in other media and movies and stuff. But a lot of time in comics, when you have something like this, like you're the chosen one, awaken, be the chosen one. They're very reluctant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're like. Uh, I don't know. I just want to live my life. Can I go back to normal? And our main character here is like, yeah, let's do this quest. Cool. Gotcha. Ready. For I'm it. on it. Let me go find. <laughs> let me go find these other peeps. You know, like it's just very like it's nice having a non reluctant, like a really ready to go hero yeah. in this because it saves you a lot of the like standard like complications that come up and lets you just focus on the story. Yeah. Uh, The characters created are really fun. I'm excited to see, I'm excited to meet more of these Daughters of Atlas. Uh, Shaverin's art is wonderful and exciting. Yes. It's, you know, also bright and vibrant and evocative, but it does really well with both the more space things, but also 
feels very down to earth for the yeah. more realism things. And then the the chaos stuff is going to really throw a wrench in stuff. It's just it's a cool book. I, I this was probably my favorite of the week. I it was a these last two yeah. close close draw for these, but this one was just wild. I just every page just flew by. I was just yeah. grasped it's from the very one. beginning. And it was it's a thick book, but it was it was just amazing. Really really very cool. Well done. I'm I'm very stoked for this one. This is going to be one that everyone needs to read. Star Word. Good job. Go get it. <laughs> Finally, uh and this is coming out of a smaller company. What was the name of the company again? Uh Comic Experience Publishing. Publishing. Right. Yes. Uh this is called Past the Last Mountain number 1. This was written by Paul Allor uh with art by Louis Joyce. There's also various other artists involved. I can't list them all here uh, because a small bit of the book, uh, the latter half of the book is called these war stories, which are little two page stories that uh, take place in the timeline of the book. Uh, what we're introduced in this book is a world wherein fantasy magic creatures exist alongside modern society. It's nothing new. We've seen this happen before. However, these creatures tend to be seem to be more integrated into society. They work and function just like humans do, but they do have to kind of fall in tow for whatever reason to human governments and things like that. Because in that situation, the American government, surprise, uh, <laughs> randomly decides to ban and illegalize all magical creatures. So all the magical creatures in the U.S. are rounded up and taken either expatriate or are rounded up and taken to a penitentiary, which is a preserve, big open space walled off uh, where they're constantly monitored and uh, kept under lock and key under armed guard. Uh, we jump into this world at a point where a female troll has busted through the wall uh, and is approached by the director of the penitentiary as well as his zoologist, who is kind of like his liaison to the creatures inside. Uh, they try to figure out what's going on. She gets hostile and gets put down uh, by one of the armed guards. What we find out is she was running a distraction game while her son, a fawn, and a dragon all run off to the woods. They are looking for something called the Dragon Lake, I believe, uh, which is a mystical area of myth and legend in the in the magical community where fantasy creatures are able to just live their life free. Basically a, a, a refuge from this situation that the U.S. government has created. Will they find it? I don't know. We see them running from people. Uh, and then, like I said, the latter half of the book takes place in these war stories, uh, which all take place around different points in the timeline, some being right at the announcement of the U.S. banning magical creatures and its people interacting with their friends and co-workers uh, during that time, as well as other stories that take place later on. Uh, and we find out a little bit more about the president in these He's a D-bag. And <laughs> so on and so forth. T, this one was your favorite, correct? Oh, my God. This was absolutely my favorite. It is 
one of the coolest concepts I think I've ever read in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. It is like mixing mythology and fables with like the Holocaust, but also with like weird, you know, relevant political complications Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and bipartisanship. And it's, it's so creative and it's done so well and it's so realistic. I think what's so fascinating to me about this book is that as you're introduced to like these mythological creatures and the way that they talk and the way that they express themselves and the way that, you know, the circumstances come through, it is so interesting that you forget that they're mystical creatures. Yeah. You just accept them and take them as like, you know, they'd be your coworker. I, there's one story in the war stories that really stood out to me and it's, um, astronauts and mm-hmm. it's two human astronauts and a mythical creature and, and like a lizard person. Yeah. yeah. And they are in space. They're like in the space station and they get word from the American government that we are banning them all. You need to take your mythical yeah. creature co-worker and you need to basically throw them into, you know, confinement and deliver them to be put in a penitentiary. You need to come back to the surface and turn them in. And they expat. Mm-hmm. And it's the way it's done and no one's happy and no one's satisfied. And it's such an interestingly accurate depiction of war and frustration yeah. and how neither side is really happy about how it's being handled and how it's going on. It's, it's so good. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so yeah. good. It's, this book has so much room for an expanded lore and oh I'm very excited for it because we see in those war stories, we see little tidbits of even some sort of like uprising. Like we get mentioned in the book, I think in the main story about, uh, or it might've been one of the war stories about, uh, you know, America has apparently had to deal with because other countries look down on us for this decision that the government has made. Um, and there's mention that, oh, well, they haven't had to deal with, uh, the centaur wars and Griffin terrorism and stuff like that. So yeah. very clearly America has had to deal with some very hostile mythical creatures. Yeah. And I think that's what is most interesting to me because I feel like it's very easy, you know, very clearly this book has something they want to get across. They want it to relate to our modern world in an interesting way. And that is one of the cool things about this is that even though it's about mythical creatures, you see yourself fully. You're like, yep, I can see that America putting a bunch of mythical yeah. creatures in to confinement. Yep. That checks out. And then you go, but this is a fantasy book. Why am I so accepting of that? And it makes you kind of have to look out into your world and realize yep. why you're so accepting of that. But it, it would be very easy to do that and then just make the president like a Donald Trump stand in and, you know, make it just like a very heavy handed parody of yeah current government situations. Right. But they didn't. No. They created this complex world of like, well, America's had to deal with some stuff. And they said and, it earlier. Yeah. And, you know, we see... uh 
one of the war stories of like two soldiers in a city. We don't know when in the timeline this takes place. Really, we haven't been introduced to enough of the timeline to know. This could be after. This could be way after. Yeah. What's happening now? If there's some sort of like uprising, or it could be way earlier and be something that pushed America to make these decisions. But like, we see two soldiers running in a city, and they see a bunch of trolls like eating people, and they're like, ah, and they run away. And it turns out the trolls were just pretending and that trolls apparently stopped eating people you know yeah but they like you know they see that and they're like ah run away and it's there's obviously some sort of conflict going on yeah so was that something else that happened was there a moment where a bunch of mythical creatures besieged an american city yeah and so like you said i think it's interesting how much this book has to say about war has to say about racism and the nature of like racial politics Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting how much this book has to say about current things that are happening and like this quote-unquote culture war that's happening and stuff like that um and just the like we're introduced to enough to create this interesting tasty world but there's still a lot of questions. Like I said, we don't really know what that timeline is in the war stories. Thing. Yeah. There's a few that we can easily pinpoint, but like we don't know everything, you know, yeah. there's only one that's really indicated like this happened in the seventies. Yeah. So clearly the war started in the seventies and well, I mean, there was some sort of war in the seventies. Yeah. It might've been a different war, you know, but yeah, we see the war of like the dude running from the goblins and he's like saved by a fairy and yeah. stuff. And, uh, uh, it's just cool. It's just, there's so much that can be like, if I, I think, I don't remember what, but I think if you look up the solicitation for this book, it's a mini series. Uh, but I really hope they go to crowdfunding and they try to get more and more and more of this pushed out. Uh, cause it's just really cool. And I, I think there's a lot of lore and a lot of stories to be told in this world that they built. And I gotta say, you know, if this is a miniseries and they don't intend to do a long term with this publisher, maybe they can go over to Dark Horse because this is very much a Dark Horse type it of does. story. Yeah, it's I the see same that. type of mythological world building that you see from um, the like Mike Mignola stuff, mm-hmm. like where it's lots of miniseries in the same world and they all kind of correlate together. Mm-hmm. This is that same type of thing that would be easily creatable. Yeah, I could see that, but incredible it's also spined it's kind of like a prestige format there's a lot of content in the book a lot of different artists which is fun uh and it's just it's a cool story it's got a lot of heart and a lot of emotion a lot of action uh and it's gonna be fun this is gonna be a fun ride so this is definitely one to get do not miss this one do not miss any of these this was a crazy week really good this was a wild week for comics Thick week. <laughs> first first week in a long time that every comic we read for the episode, uh, I'm adding onto my file. Like a hundred percent. There's no comics that I'm like, I'm gonna give it like another issue and we'll see. And then we'll test it. You know, there no. are some comics that we talk about on here that I unfortunately just have to be like, nah, I can't I can't keep up with this one just because I have so many comics that I keep up with. But these are all hundred percent. Well and I'm you guys can these. see, I mean, we talked about five books this week most of the time we'll read like several books and then we'll say okay these are probably more uh, suited for honorable mentions we're not going to talk about them on the episode and granted there was a lot of number ones this week and there are a few that didn't make it either because our shop didn't get them or because they just weren't worth it but these ones are amazing yeah 
And it's just, it's been a long time since I've had an episode with books that I'm this excited about. So Agreed. do yourself a favor, get out and get these. They're really, really cool. Uh, and I hope you like them. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B as well as special episodes, you can find them on our website at CoverBPodcast.com. We will be having a Doctor Strange episode on Monday. Yes. So keep an ear out for that. Yes. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Yes. Everyone has a good Friday. You've got a lot of reading material that you need to go get, so definitely go <laughs> get it. If you're going out for free comic book day, remember the number one rule of free comic book day is don't be a dick. Just get the books that you like. Don't try to get books to flip them online because that makes you a dick. Anyway. Be respectful <laughs> of your other patrons and especially of the people yeah. working at your local comic store. If your comic book shop is running a sale, uh, try to purchase something. Don't just show up for the free comics. Support local comic book shops if you can whether they're running a sale or not most right. comic shops are running sales but just buy something too yeah. you know be nice be respectful and don't grab like a stack of the spider-man book and then run out the door <laughs> looking at you bradley <laughs> there's like some dude listening to this name bradley who like was absolutely planning on that <laughs> he's like shit you just called him out hard so anyway, thanks again for listening. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T. Yes, indeed. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. Don't be a dick, Bradley. <laughs>